evidence and answers. There are some preachers who are quick to proclaim the return of Christ is at hand whenever any man-made crisis, natural disaster, or cosmic anomaly arises. Not every major news headline signals the end of age. However, there are significant signs that we should be aware of. You're tuned to Evidence and Answers radio broadcast with your host, Pat Zucran. Pat is an international teacher, speaker, and author in the area of Christian apologetics, the defense of the Christian faith. Today, Pat will present eight key signs that we should pay attention to as we await his return. Here in part two of a message entitled Signs of Christ's Return is our host, Pat Zucran. Now, in 2017, President Donald Trump declared Jerusalem the historical capital of Israel, and he moved the American embassy to Jerusalem. And Israel said that they will move their capital from Tel Aviv to their historical capital of Jerusalem. Now, Israel has not moved their capital to Jerusalem at the time of this recording, but it seems that this inevitably is going to happen. Now, the Arab world has threatened to retaliate if Israel relocates her capital to Jerusalem. So this is a situation that we're going to watch here. At the end of the age, the Jews control Jerusalem, and it will be their capital during the end times. So this is very significant, what we're seeing here. The third sign is the crisis in the Middle East and the rise of Islam. Now, the tension and conflict in the Middle East, it continues to escalate. From the time of its founder, Muhammad, the religion of Islam has sought the destruction of the Jews. And it's significant, you know, that Islam rejects the biblical teaching that Israel is God's select nation and God will one day restore Israel and Jerusalem. And she will fulfill the call to be a light to the nations, the city on a hill, the city from which the Messiah will rule will be Jerusalem. And the promises made in the covenants to Israel shall be fulfilled. And Islam, interestingly, rejects that. And along with the rejection of Israel, Islam rejects key biblical doctrines, including the Trinity, the deity of Christ, the death and resurrection of Jesus, the authority of the Bible, because it has been corrupted, according to their view, and Israel as God's chosen nation and the Christian church as the bride of Christ. Now, Islam teaches that Christ will return, but as a radical Muslim and lead the armies of Islam in a worldwide slaughter of the infidel armies, specifically highlighting Jews and Christians. Now, Shiite Islam teaches uh, the return of the Mahdi or the 12th Imam, the Messiah of Islam, along with the return of Christ. And what prevents the Mahdi's return is the existence of Israel and the infidel armies of the West in the holy lands of Islam. So it's embedded in the theology of Islam, the destruction of Jews and Christians that was taught by Muhammad, and it's taught in their holy works, and it's embedded in their eschatology. And today, radical groups like Hamas, Hezbollah, the Muslim Brotherhood, and the PLO are bent on the destruction of the nation of Israel. 
Since the formation of Israel in 1948, nearly every war against Israel involved an alliance of Muslim nations funded and armed by Russia. Now, this alliance of nations is significant because in Ezekiel 38 and 39, it predicts that just before the seven-year tribulation, there will be a coalition of nations led by Gog and Magog. And if you look in Ezekiel 38:39, Gog and Magog is Russia. And the coalition of these na- Middle Eastern nations formed are presently Islamic nations that have sought the destruction of Israel. So if the return of Christ were to happen soon, then it would be an Islamic coalition led by the Soviet Union. And every war that has been fought against the nation of Israel has been an Islamic coalition of nations led by and financed by the Soviet Union. So this alliance among Russia and several Islamic nations is already established and waiting for another moment when they can launch a decisive campaign and wipe out Israel. So what we see with Islam and the rising tension in the Middle East further sets the stage for this prophesied battle. A fourth significant sign is the rise of another city, but this city is the city of Babylon. Now in the Bible, Jerusalem is the city of God, while Babylon is the city of man. Babylon is the second most mentioned city in the Bible. This city has been the center of man's rebellion against God beginning with the Tower of Babel way back in Genesis 10 and 11. And in 586 BC, it's the Babylonian Empire that destroyed Jerusalem and deported the Jews. And the Jews remained in exile for 70 years. Babylon was conquered by the Persians in 539, but it was not destroyed. This city remained and the Bible prophesies that it will rise once again. Zechariah chapter 5 verses 5 through 11 predicts that Babylon will rise again and one day be the epicenter of rebellion in the last days. In chapter 5, Zechariah receives a vision and he writes, The angel who talked with me came forward and said to me, Lift your eyes and see what this is that is going out. And I said, What is it? He said, This is the basket that is going out. And he said, this is their iniquity in all the land. And behold, the leaden cover was lifted and there was a woman sitting in the basket. And he said, this is wickedness. And he thrust her back into the basket and thrust down the leaden weight on its opening. Then I lifted my eyes and saw and behold, two women coming forward. The wind was in their wings. They had wings like the wings of a stork and they lifted up the basket between earth and heaven. Then I said to the angel who talked, with me, where are they taking the basket? He said to me, to the land of Shinar, that's Babylon, to build a house for it. And when this is prepared, they will set the basket down there on its base. And so there at the appointed time in the land of Shinar in Babylon, wickedness will be unleashed for an appointed time. In Revelation 17 and 18, Babylon will be the financial and religious capital of the final world empire led by the Antichrist. And in the end, she is judged by God and eventually destroyed. 
Now, it's interesting that in the last 20 years, Iraq has arisen to prominence on the world stage. And it's interesting that Iraq sits on the second largest known crude oil reserves. And next door is the oil-rich Kuwait, which Saddam Hussein tried to annex in 1991. And next to Iraq are the oil-rich countries of Iran, Kuwait, and Saudi Arabia. So a unification of these nations under Iraqi leadership would make this the wealthiest alliance in the world. And we know that when Saddam Hussein was alive, he poured millions into the rebuilding of the ancient city of Babylon itself to make her a symbol of the greatness once attained by Nebuchadnezzar. And if you remember throughout Iraq, there were portraits and inscriptions of Nebuchadnezzar and Saddam Hussein next to each other. He was obsessed with rebuilding the Babylonian Empire and the greatness of Babylon and its empire to be the new Nebuchadnezzar. And this ancient city of Babylon would indeed be the symbol of the greatness of this country and its empire once again. So the city, which lay for centuries in ruins, has arisen to prominence once again. Now the fifth sign is the unification of Europe. In Daniel chapter 2 and Daniel chapter 7, Daniel predicts the rise of four great empires that would rule over Israel before Christ returns. Now in chapter 2, the prophet sees a very large statue of a human figure made of four different metals, the head of gold, chest of silver, waist of bronze, and legs of iron. Now, Daniel is given the interpretation of this dream, which King Nebuchadnezzar sees. Babylon is the head of gold. Persia, the next empire that would come, is the chest of silver. Greece is the waist of bronze, and Rome is the legs of iron. But it's interesting that as you look down the legs of iron, it eventually becomes feet mixed with iron and clay. Now, this is very important, as we'll find out later. In Daniel chapter 7, these four empires are pictured as beasts. Babylon is the lion with wings. Persia is the bear with three ribs in its mouth. Greece is the leopard with four heads and four wings. And Rome is the terrible beast pictured with ten horns. Now, both chapters, chapter 2 and chapter 10 of Daniel revealed two phases of the Roman Empire. The first phase would follow the Greek Empire, and the Roman Empire, the historic Roman Empire, ruled from 100 BC to 476 AD. However, there will be a second phase of the Roman Empire. It shall return, and this phase will begin prior to the coming of Christ. Now, in Daniel chapter 2, remember, it was the legs of iron, and then it turned into feet of iron mixed with clay. And this reveals that the Roman Empire will arise again, but this future Roman Empire will not be as strongly unified as the old Roman Empire. The alliance of nations will be a volatile nation. Just as iron doesn't mix well with clay, this will be a volatile kind of alliance, not a solid alliance as the old Roman Empire. Then in Daniel chapter 7, the beast with ten horns 
predicts that this final empire will be composed of 10 key nations of the old Roman Empire. Well, Rome fell in 476 AD, but it was not destroyed in the same way the previous empires were destroyed. The empire was not abolished, but divided up into the various nations of Europe today. And there have been attempts to reunite the old empire as Napoleon and Hitler attempted. But today we see something interesting. We see a cooperation of the European nations beginning to work together in a loose confederacy. One of these, the most prominent one, is the European Union. This began motivated by the events of World War II. Europe saw they needed to come together. And the unification process officially began in 1957 with the Treaty of Rome. And so today there are 28 nations that are part of the European Union. The euro currency is used every day by some 300 million Europeans. And it shows you that there is cooperation and a coming together of the European countries. And what's interesting is the headquarters of the European Union is Strasbourg, France. They have a 600-member parliament that meets in a building that resembles the Tower of Babel. Isn't that interesting? So the European Union, I do not believe, is the end times empire. But what it shows is that there is a unifying movement among the European nations. Remember, for centuries, these European nations were always at war with each other. But now we see a cooperation and the coming together. So what we've seen in the last 50 years further sets the stage for what the Bible is prophesying, a revived Roman Empire. Sign six is a growing apostasy. Second Thessalonians 2 verse 3 predicts a time when there will be a great apostate departure from the church. Remember, apostates are individuals who knew the truth of Christianity, who were sitting there in church, but they deliberately left the faith and embraced false teachings. Now, Christianity has always struggled with apostate teaching throughout its history. But in this passage in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, Paul speaks of a specific time when there will be a significant departure from sound doctrine. If we are nearing the return of Christ, we should see a growing intensity in apostate teaching. And indeed, that is what's happening today. One of the best Bible scholars on the book of Revelation today is Dr. Mark Hitchcock, whose work I'm referring to quite a bit. And he says this, There's no doubt today that a deepening deception and surging apostasy are upon us. What we see in the visible church today is nothing short of shocking. We are witnessing the increase and intensification of apostasy we should expect if the coming of Christ is near. Another very fine Bible expositor was the late Dr. J. Dwight Pentecost of Dallas Seminary. And he wrote this. He said, Abundant evidence on every hand shows that men are departing from the faith. Not only do they doubt the word, they openly reject it. This phenomenon has never been as prevalent as today. In the period of the Dark Ages, men were ignorant of the truth. But never was there an age when men openly denied and repudiated the truth. This open, deliberate, willful repudiation of the truth of the Bible is described in Scripture as one of the major characteristics of the last days of the church on earth. And we see that today. For example, 
the Jesus Seminar, one of the most popular gathering of, quote, New Testament scholars. Their books are some of the best selling and their theology and their books is what is taught in the vast majority of universities, seminaries, and Christian high schools and colleges today. The, quote, Anglican school that I attended and the later Christian college I attended taught many of the ideas coming from the Jesus Seminar, right? And you may know some of these popular New Testament teachers, Marcus Borg, John Dominic Crossan, Bart Ehrman, and others. And the Jesus Seminar is made up of these, quote, New Testament scholars, but they reject prophetic statements of Christ and prophecies, messianic prophecies. They reject miracles. They reject Jesus claiming to be the unique divine son of God. They reject the historical reliability of the gospels. They consider 80 to 90% of the gospels as legendary. They reject, of course, the death and resurrection. Well, they reject the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And these are men who grew up in the church. Many of them attended evangelical Bible colleges or seminaries and turned to apostate teaching. But their teaching is more popular than ever before. We have denominations now, many major denominations ordaining openly homosexual and transgender pastors, ministers, priests, and and leaders. We have denominations that deny the inspiration and inerrancy of the Bible, thus rejecting key doctrines like the deity of Christ. There are denominations that teach universalism, that everyone is saved and everyone will eventually go to heaven. So we are seeing a growing apostasy as we have never seen before. And this is what we should expect as we get closer to the return of Christ. Then we have sign seven, weapons of mass destruction. Revelation chapter eight prophesies cosmic disturbances of catastrophic, devastating proportions, catastrophic fires that destroy a third of the earth. The passage in Revelation chapter eight reads, the first angel blew his trumpet and there followed hail and fire mixed with blood. And these were thrown upon the earth and a third of the earth was burned up and a third of the trees were burned up and all the grass was burned up. A second angel blew his trumpet and something like a great mountain burning with fire was thrown into the sea and a third of the sea became blood and a third of the living creatures in the sea died and a third of the ships were destroyed. And a third angel blew his trumpet and a great star fell from heaven blazing like a torch, and it fell on a third of the rivers and the springs of water. The name of the star was Wormwood, and a third of the waters became Wormwood, and many of the people died from the water because it had been made bitter. The fourth angel blew his trumpet, and a third of the sun was struck, and a third of the moon, and a third of the stars, so that a third of their light might be darkened, and a third of the day might be kept from shining, and likewise a third of the night. Now, this describes some kind of cosmic disturbance. We know that if a meteor were to strike the earth, it would cause great catastrophe on the earth and the debris that would be blown up into the air would cause darkness in the sky. But we also know that 
nuclear catastrophe could also cause that kind of disaster as well. So perhaps this could be describing a nuclear catastrophe. We're, we're not sure. But today, there are nine nations with nuclear weapons, and the list includes the Soviet Union, United Kingdom, France, China, India, Pakistan, and North Korea. And according to the Federation of American Scientists, group that monitors nuclear weapons, there are 15,000 nuclear warheads throughout the world. In other words, we could destroy the Earth in a nuclear inferno several times over. Perhaps this is what we may be seeing in the book of Revelation. So the scenarios pictured in Revelation, they're, they're no longer fantasy, but a realistic depiction of the capabilities of modern warfare. Then we have sign eight, or worldwide globalism, a unification of the world. Now the COVID-19 pandemic reveals the need for the world to work together. With the increase in communication technology, the instability of modern currency and natural disasters, there is a need for greater global cooperation. And several worldwide organizations already exist, NAFTA, NATO, the UN, and others. And I believe the globalism we see developing today is setting the stage for the world community at the end of the age, as predicted in biblical prophecy. Imagine when these worldwide catastrophes occur, greater than COVID-19, when populations are decimated, the world is going to have to come together and work together. And at the end of the age, there's going to be a one world government, a one world economy controlled by this government, and a one world religion. All of these ruled by one man, a charismatic leader known as the Antichrist. And this end time world order, it's described in Revelation chapter 13. Now, modern technology makes a one world order possible. And this pandemic has taught us how fragile our economic system is and how quickly our food supplies, water supplies, medical supplies and others could quickly disappear. And the panic something like this instigates. Well, imagine when the plagues of God's future judgment strikes. There's going to be a need for a stabilization of the world politically, economically, socially. And this can only be done through a central world government. And so this is no longer fantasy. It's a realistic scenario. So those are some of the significant signs to look at as we get closer to the return of Christ. Now, remember, when you go to an arena and you see the stage being set up by the crew, you know that the concert is about to begin. Well, and that's what we see in the events of today. We see a continual setting up of the stage and we're just waiting for the concert to begin. There are no more prophecies that need to be fulfilled for Christ to return for his church. Well, what are we to do in the meantime? Well, Jesus said in Matthew chapter 24, blessed is that servant whom his master will find so doing when he comes. Truly I say to you, he will set him over all his possessions. So we're not to despair over the world situation, as difficult as things may be. Instead, we need to understand that the world events of the day are moving right along to God's plans. I mean, he's not taken by surprise 
by these. They're moving right according to his plan. So we're not to be discouraged, but to live with courage and hope as we see that his return is near. And understanding the signs of the times should bring us a sense of hope rather than despair. So until then, we're to be faithful servants doing the master's will. We're to be living holy lives, studying his word, sharing the gospel, bringing the gospel to the ends of the earth, and living with expectant hope as we recognize the signs of the times. I hope this message brought understanding to you as you look not only at present times, but times to come. I hope it brings some understanding to the times that we face, but also encourages you to live for Christ and to bring the gospel to the ends of the world. Thank you for being with us here on Evidence and Answers, and I look forward to being with you again here on Evidence and Answers. We've run out of time. Thank you for joining us here on Evidence and Answers radio broadcast. We hope you enjoyed today's show. If you would like Pat to speak at your church, Bible study, or perhaps schedule a conference, give him a call locally in Hawaii. That number is 4830586. Or you may contact him through the Evidence and Answers website. That's evidenceandanswers.org. To keep broadcast, like Pat's on the air, we rely on generous support from you, our listeners. For the opportunity to donate, head on over to our website. Once again, that's evidenceandanswers.org. You'll also find we have a wide variety of resources available to you. Everything from atheism to Zen Buddhism. Be sure to share our website with those around you. Evidence and Answers is grateful for our key sponsor, Highland Capital Management, providing investors with alternative investment solutions. To learn more, visit them online at hcmlp.com. Join us again next time on the air or online as we provide compelling reasons for faith in Christ. That's Evidence and Answers with Pat Zucran. <laughs> <laughs>